Today we continue in our Lenten sermon series that we are calling Ancestry DNA. Each week we are climbing through our family tree, you might call it, to visit with some of our ancestors in the faith, both those better and lesser known characters that we read throughout our scriptures. We began, of course, at the beginning with Adam and Eve. Last week, we visited with Abraham and Sarah, two individuals known earlier in their lives as Abram and Sarai. This week, we leave the book of Genesis and stop in the book of Exodus. As every family goes, this is perhaps a chapter in our family of faith that we would soon forget, for it is a hard chapter. It is in Exodus where we meet those early descendants of Abraham and Sarai, and we rejoice with them as they escape their bondage in Egypt, and then we dwell with them in the hardship of the wilderness. And it is in the wilderness that we meet Moses and all of his friends today, hearing these verses from the 17th chapter of Exodus, beginning with the first verse. Friends, let us listen now for a word from God. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. And so they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty. So thirsty for water there. And they grumbled against Moses. And they said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me, to kill me. And the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. And take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, send your spirit now 
that it would dwell near to us and whatever wilderness it is, we wake this day. O God, through your spirit, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here today in your sight be acceptable and pleasing to you. For you and you alone, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Three days. That's how long it takes them. After miraculously crossing the Red Sea, leaving behind slavery and Egypt for freedom. All it takes is three days for the grumbling to begin. Out there on the edge of that newfound wilderness that unbeknownst to them, of course, at the time would be their home for the next 40 years. The Israelite people grumble to Moses saying, Moses, we are thirsty. Give us something to drink. And Moses goes to God. And guess what? God provides water. In fact, God provides sweet water. But fast forward just a few more weeks, a few more miles down the road, and there it is again, grumbling. This time the Israelite people are grumbling because they're hungry. Moses, they say, why didn't you just let us die in Egypt? For at least we had food in our bellies there. Moses again goes to God, and God again provides. This time manna from heaven, enough for everyone, and then some. But no sooner are they fed than we get to our reading today, where again the Israelite people quarrel and grumble with Moses. Give us water, they say. So much complaining. So much whining. Such a disagreeable demeanor amongst the Israelite people. I mean, what a short memory. Three days. That's all it takes. That's all it takes for their praise to turn to complaint. I remember reading a commentary at some point on Exodus, and it was written by a scholar who also turns out to be a mother with two young children. And I remember her saying in there something like, every time I read the book of Exodus, I get so frustrated with the people of Israel. Because all I hear in their grumbling are the voices of my two children following me around like ducks. Mom, 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 I'm hungry. Mom, I'm thirsty. Mom, wear my socks. All those parents out there, perhaps you feel the same. 
It's so easy for us to grow weary of the Israelite people almost before their story has even begun. And yet I can't help but wonder if our weariness is not misplaced, if it's really not all that fair for us to grow tired and weary of the Israelites there in the wilderness. Back in 2012, I remember a night where I was in the back of a bus bumping across the Sinai Desert. You couldn't see a single thing out those windows. But what lay outside those windows was the wilderness we are talking about today. The precise route that the Israelite people followed is certainly up for debate, but the general area of what we commonly know now as the Sinai Peninsula, that strip of land between the main part of Egypt and modern-day Israel, it's generally accepted that, that somewhere in there was probably the wilderness that these people wandered in all those years. What I remember most about that ride, though, is in the middle of the night, of course, it was pitch dark, but it made it all the more dramatic when the sun finally began to rise. Because what was revealed out beyond that glass was a landscape that was equal parts beautiful and brutal. It was jagged. It was barren. And when the sun rose high enough, it was hot. In one word, that, that wilderness that we are in today, it was unrelenting. I remember thinking there in my seat, you know, if this bus breaks down, I don't think I'm going to make it one day, much less three much less three months or three years or four decades. I realized there in that moment that the difference between me and the Israelite people is that when the Israelite people looked out on that unrelenting landscape, they then had to turn and look into the eyes of their children and their grandchildren. You see, they're grumbling here for something more than just physical hunger and thirst. These are people for whom every new sunrise reveals a landscape that must have called into question whatever proof of God's presence and, and providing came the day before. So unrelenting was the land that was in front of them. And nowhere is that clear for us, that questioning that they must have lived with every day, than the question that comes at the very end of this passage. The Israelite people, they cry out to God, is the Lord among us or not? You know, I spent this whole last week looking at my reflection in the mirror. 
and searching in my own features and faith for, for some resemblance of Moses and his friends. And right when I was about to give up, I was turning away and I caught out of the corner of my eye, I caught it finally. And where I caught my resemblance, our resemblance, was in that question. You know, today is a significant day because today marks one full year since we all gathered in this space, this social hall, to worship inside, shoulder to shoulder, together. To sing and pray and fellowship. One year, March 8th, 2020, was the last Sunday that all of you poured in through these doors and came together in the ways that we have been used to. I was thinking this past week, back to those early days of the pandemic, and the images that came to my mind are likely some of the images that come to yours. I remember a hospital being built from scratch in a matter of days in Wuhan, China. I remember images of convoys of military trucks circling town squares in northern Italy. I remember emergency rooms in, in New York about to buckle under the pressure of patients. Somewhere in all of those images, I remember, too, that question that in our more raw moments, I think we all wondered at some point or another. Is God among us or not? I married a couple at an outdoor ceremony last August in North Carolina. The groom is near the end of his residency at a hospital in Nashville, Tennessee. And the couple, they were down here just a few weeks ago on vacation, and they came by the church to say hello. And the groom, he looked so tired. And I told him so. I said, man, you look tired. And he said, Alan, I'm tired of all the death. I could see it in his eyes. I could see the question behind those words. Is the Lord among us or not? I think of the images this last summer. Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, and so many others. Is the Lord among us or not. Dementia, divorce, mental illness, especially amongst younger people, all on the rise. Is the Lord among us or not? You know, in the midst of all of this, though, one of the most amazing ministries that has emerged is one that came out of our church right here, what we have called the COVID-19 Community Relief Fund, 
We started this last April. We've raised over, I think, $180,000 because of your generosity at this point. We've now written over $140,000 of grants directly to individuals and families, over 360 of them right here in Glen County, people who, who are suffering and struggling financially because of the pandemic. The team that has been leading that effort, that's been administering that fund, they had an idea about two weeks ago that as we approach this one-year mark, this might be a good time to circle back to some of those who have received grants from this program and check in with them to see how it is they are doing. So they put together an email and they sent it out with a link to a survey to get a sense of how they're doing and to get a sense of if and how we might be able to assist them further. And the survey had three questions. The first question was, how did the relief grant help you? The second question was, are you still facing financial hardship as a result of the pandemic? And the final question was, just tell us how you and your family are doing. And the results of this, this survey have started to come back to that team. And as you read through them, what is amazing is that there are two clear themes that emerge. The first thing you cannot help but notice as you read through their responses are that we are still in the wilderness. So many people still struggling to put food on their table, to pay their rent or mortgage, to keep their utilities on, to care for their children when their children are sent home from school for quarantining. So many people, even after this pandemic, early on many of these recipients had been laid off or furloughed, and now they have resumed working, but the pay and the hours are almost universally less for most of them. One person said, you know, I might have five hours one week and 25 hours the next. Another person said, in their food service job in our community, they are guaranteed only four hours of work a week. It might be 40, but they're guaranteed only four. We are still in the wilderness. And you know if those are issues and concerns on the hearts and minds of our neighbors here, it is on the hearts and minds of countless people across the world. But the other thing, the other thing that, that comes bubbling to the surface as you read through these responses to those three questions is that though we are still in the wilderness, we are not alone. Gratitude, overflowing gratitude in every single response. Not necessarily gratitude to our church, gratitude to God. One person invited our team to come to church with them. And I think some of our team are probably going to take them up on it. And then the most amazing one of all, as I was sitting with Moses and friends in the wilderness on Friday preparing for today, a response came in to that survey just this last Friday. Two sentences. It began this way. 
The recipient of this grant said, you know, it's receiving emails like this that help me get through the days with a smile on my face. And then they said this, I'm not making this up. Is the Lord in this place or not? Is the Lord among us or not? This person finished by writing, it just proves that God is among us. I swear if you listen closely as you read through these responses, you can hear the faint sound of wood tapping stone. And somewhere in those those parched places of your soul, you feel them slowly being quenched with what you can really only describe as living water. You know, we're in the, the middle of this sermon series that I talked about right before reading the scripture where we're climbing through our family tree. And if your family is like mine, you may have a few photo albums laying around your house. And I suspect that in just about every family photo album, there is one or two pages or maybe one or two faces that you just kind of want to skip on over. Images that capture times that you're not particularly keen to remember or dwell on any more than you already have. Moses and his friends grumbling out there in the wilderness. It feels like they are the pages in our family photo album of faith that we wouldn't just mind kind of skipping over. I mean, yeah, they get through it eventually, but it's not all that pretty, is it? Lots of quarreling. Things are said, rules are broken, idols are crafted. But if we are willing, if we just sit with those faces for a minute longer, I think we will recognize something profound in this story. That in the midst of all of their mistakes, God still provides. Right beneath the hard lines of their faces and the unrelenting landscape of their lives is good news. The good news that the Lord, the Lord is among them even now. Friends, that's our story too. That in the wilderness of our own lives, in the wandering and the waiting of our own lives, is the Lord among us? Yes. So friends, hear and be filled once again with the good news that we are never alone and never without. For friends, the Lord is among us, even.
now. Thanks be to God.